Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we got a busy one coming up live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon wandering right into some breaking news out of the gate. Nikki Haley, formerly kicking off her presidential campaign as I speak to you. Get her out. Get her out of here. We know how Trump feels. Uh, we'll find out how you feel. We're also going to hear from Real Clear Politics founder Tom Bevan, who will weigh in on this news as well. And we will hear from comedian Charles McBee. He is, of course, the head writer for Charlemagne the God over on Comedy Central. Uh, and he is responding to claims from your transportation secretary, Pete Booty Judge. That the real problem in America right now is we have too many white construction workers. Pete Booty Judge is pathetic. Oh, is he ever. But we're going to have a grown-up talk about it. 888-788-9910, the phone number if you want to be a part of the show. A show that has one rule, day in and day out. You could be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a <laughs> That is all. Happy Wednesday. I was on the Ingram Angle last night with Laura Ingram. If you missed it, it is on the Fox Across America Facebook page as we speak. We were talking about a pronoun fight that's taking place at Shake Shack where someone just sued and won $20,000 because they were called the wrong gender. What the hell is the world coming to? I do not know, but you can watch the whole saga play out in the new drama, 12 Angry Them. Uh, We're also going to get into some Biden Valentines. That's what we were talking about with Laura Ingram last night is what would a Joe Biden Valentine say? Uh, My guess is happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, But we begin right now not with this president, but with the aspirations of the next one taking center stage. So Nikki Haley gets into the race that has a lot of people on the inside believing it's Time for Ron DeSantis to jump in and Tim Scott to jump in right behind him. Wrong. We really don't know. But that's going to be a big focal point now because the 2024 race is now a thing. Once you've got multiple candidates in, it's bigger than just Trump running to avenge 2020, which, again, is no small thing. That's going to be the dominant storyline out of the gate. But we bring up the prominence of the Republican race. Why? Because nobody in their right mind thinks the guy in power has any chance of pulling this off a second time. I agree with that. 22% of Americans think Joe Biden should run again in the year 2024. 22%. I don't know who these people are, but 22% said he should bother to run again. I'd like to meet these people. I have questions for them. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. (laughs) I don't know that they can. And it's a real liability right now in this moment because yesterday they trotted KJP back out to the podium, Karine Jean-Pierre, and she was speaking to the crisis surrounding these Chinese balloons. And she was openly asked, hey, how come the leader of the free world 
is not out there addressing the free world? How come the president isn't speaking to directly to the American people on this? And she tried to claim with a straight face, there's nothing to worry about. This guy's a great communicator. Joe Biden has it all under control. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Let's start with this KJP take because I just thought it was so funny. This is clip three. The U.S. does not shoot objects out of the sky every day. Why hasn't the president come forward and spoken to the American people about this? So I know your colleague asked my colleague this earlier today uh, during his gaggle. And look, the president is taking this very seriously, and he's receiving briefings regularly from his national security uh, advisors, uh, and uh, he's going to continue to do that. We are sharing as much information as we can, uh, as uh, as possible, uh, and but we do want to make sure that the Americans, uh, American people, understand that uh, there's no need to panic. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f-ing question. The question was, how come the president's not out here? The leader, the guy who's supposed to be in charge, how come he's not out here? Did she answer the question? The answer would be no. No, and I'm telling you, we look weak on the world stage right now. Corrine Jean-Pierre makes Biden look even weaker because we have someone who's laughably incompetent. One of the biggest liabilities of identity politics is if you put people into the gig just because you don't necessarily wind up with people who can do the gig. And if you don't believe me, look at our transportation department where we appointed a gay transportation secretary because we'd never had one before. That was his lone qualification. And the soundtrack to our transportation department is pretty much... But in these moments where I say, oh, Biden looks weak, we look weak, understand it's laughably weak. Here is Corrine Jean-Pierre telling the press that the guy who quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. You know, the guy who famously told us at the State of the Union, we need to choose between unity or... Do you remember that? (laughs) She tells the world with a straight face that Biden is the best communicator they have in the White House. It's clip 10. I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. Oh, shut up, woman. I mean, come on. If the president's the best communicator they have in the White House, I mean, that's embarrassing. Okay, that means Hunter's the best designated driver they have in the White House. Like, there's no way that logic squares. And it's an insult to the world. If he's the best communicator you have in the White House, why is everybody talking but him? I think he's got a point. Here's the thing, man. I do an American talk show. It's not a conservative talk show. Okay, people, oh, Jimmy Fail works Fox News, a conservative. Of course I am. I'm unapologetically pro-America. Okay, unapologetically so. If you're listening to the show, you have American privilege. Freedom! Okay, but the point is I do an American talk show. I don't, like, try to win elections for the Republicans. I don't care about the Republicans. They don't care about me. Okay, they're politicians. Okay, I care about the direction of this country. And the truth is... In this country, we are pretending, a lot of us are pretending that the president is under control, he's proper cognitive function, he knows where he is, he knows what's going on at all times. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, but we can pretend that's the case, but you know who's not pretending that's the case? Our enemies. Bingo, man, bingo. They're not watching this. They're not watching uh, NORAD, which has never shot down an object over the United States of America in its 65-year history. Okay, NORAD shot down four in the past week. So we had none in the last 65 years. Now we've had four. 
Okay, guys, that's very significant. It's very significant military action. It is historic military action. And the president isn't allowed to speak to it. Now, we can pretend he's fine and there's some reason. There's no reason other than the fact that they don't know what's going to come out of the guy's mouth if they stick him in front of the reporters. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? They just don't know. And you can pretend if you're a partisan and you just, well, you just want Democrats to win elections, orange man bad, I hate the Republicans, that whole thing. Fine, great, you're entitled to that. That's the beauty of America. But you're lying to yourself if you think the rest of the world is watching this play out and not making the determination that when it comes to America... We have a president that is clearly not all there. Okay, Biden is an agenda politician. What I mean by an agenda politician is he's a dopey guy. He was always widely derided as the dopiest guy in Washington with Barack Obama most famously summing up the Biden candidacy, getting caught at a fundraiser on a hot mic saying, never underestimate Joe's ability to things up. That was his take. Come on, man. That was his take. Never underestimate Joe's ability to Okay, understand. And if that's Obama's opinion, the guy who worked closest with him, okay, the rest of the world is aware of it too. And when they look at Joe Biden, they see incompetence. They see him as an agenda politician. Hey, send a play into the huddle. I'm for it. Okay, I'm for it until I'm against it. Don't ever forget that. Joe Biden ran on the fact that America was systemically racist. Okay, after spending most of his career palling around with Klansmen and segregationists. He eulogized Robert Byrd, who's a grand wizard in the Ku Klux Klan, and then turned around, oh, America's racist. We got, we got to get rid of these people. He doesn't care. It's completely unprincipled, okay? And understand, we played you videos last week of Joe Biden yelling and screaming about how many times as a senator he tried to cut Social Security and Medicare. Tried it four different times, according to him. And then what is he doing now? Oh, Republicans want to cut Social Security and Medicare. I mean, he's completely unprincipled. He's a loon. Okay, and the rest of the world knows this. So when you see these moments, okay, and you see these shifting narratives, what we're projecting is weakness. And what I mean by shifting narratives is this balloon situation we happen to be embroiled in right now is something the American people told the American people about, not this administration. Okay, understand we now have U.S. intelligence reporting that we watched that balloon take off from China. We saw it fly across the Pacific. We saw it go up over Alaska. We saw it make a right into Canada. We saw it come back through Montana. And at no point in that week's time did they say anything to the American people. That's not right. Okay, you know when they said something to the American people? When citizens of Montana started videotaping it on their cell phones and saying, what the hell is this? At which point the political implications were raised for the Biden administration and they were like, oh, gee, uh, here's the thing. Okay, and understand that projects weakness. And they shifted the narrative to, well, it just showed up. China's saying it was a weather balloon. We know it was a spy thing. Here is Nora O'Donnell on CBS News. Flat out reporting last night that U.S. intelligence knew this story all along. It's clip four. CBS News has just learned that U.S. intelligence watched the high-flying airship as it lifted off near China's south coast. That means the U.S. military had been tracking it for nearly a week before it entered U.S. airspace, longer than originally known. CBS's Nancy Cordes is at the White House. So, Nancy, they were watching this from the beginning? 
They were, Nora, and what they saw was this balloon heading east from China towards Guam and Hawaii. But then it took a sharp northward turn, a beeline towards Alaska. You hear that? That means they knew about this thing for a week and were prepared to not even acknowledge it to the American people. This is what we're being told is the most transparent administration in the history of our nation. And again, I remind you that this administration thinks transparent is a man who has a baby. Okay, they have no idea what they're doing. And when it comes to informing the American people, even yesterday in their briefing, the senators who sat in the briefing, like Tim Scott, who was on our show, Tom Cotton was on with Kudlow. Here's Tom Kudlow speaking to what they learned in the briefing, which is basically nothing. It's clip five. We learned nothing in these briefings that I didn't already know as a member of the Intelligence or Armed Services Committee, or frankly, what your viewers can learn by watching your show or other programs or reading a newspaper. That's why I think it's so important that Joe Biden personally and directly address the American people. Justin Trudeau did that over the weekend for the people of Canada. I mean, surely we're not in a world where the American president is less decisive and assertive than Justin Trudeau, of all people. Mm. This is what we expect from presidents. You know, when Soviet Russia shot down a Korean Airlines flight in 1983, Ronald Reagan came out and addressed the American people in just a few days, explaining exactly what happened and why it happened and what we're going to do. I mean, but that's actual leadership. Okay, Joe Biden in this moment, it's just not a leader. He's an empty suit. It's a really weak look to the world. Here was John Kirby. He was asked about whether or not Biden should speak to the public. This is clip seven. Um, should the public be hearing from the president directly on this? Uh, we have been, uh, uh, I think, as transparent as we can be. I, I won't speak for the president's uh, uh, personal uh, speaking schedule, but I mean, he has been deeply engaged in uh, every one of these decisions. He's been kept informed, including as of this morning, on uh, what's going on with recovery efforts. I mean, come on, man. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> really think about that. Shouldn't the president speak to the American people? Well, he's been really informed and briefed every day, and he's up to speed again. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f***ing question. I'm telling you, man, this looks so weak to the rest of the world. He's the president. But we've made peace as a country, and why we're accepting this is beyond me. Okay? There needs to be a widespread call for Joe Biden to step aside in 2024. I'm not saying he has to step aside right now because that means you have President Kamala. No! Okay, fine. I get it. We don't want to do that. But point being is this is a liability to our country because we are emboldening enemies on the world stage. They see us as weak. Weakness emboldens tyranny around the world. Okay, we've gone from no one's ever attempted to fly into our airspace in 65 years to we've now been forced to shoot down four things in a week. Okay, that's not normal. That's a problem purely created by the ineptitude of this administration, by the weakness we put in the Oval Office. And when you can't stick the president out there because he's too weak to speak to the American people, but the only people you have to speak for them are identity politics diversity hires, all we're doing is emboldening our enemies more because they not only see that there's an empty suit in the White House, but they see empty suits speaking for them. I'm telling you, this ain't the way to go. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. 
It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going right to the phones today. It's Wednesday. I've already done like 12 TV hits. The beat met Lincoln and Madden a couple of, I'm exhausted. You guys you guys do the show today. Can you carry the team? Would you carry the team? 888-788-9910. Spencer is batting leadoff. He is in Burlington, Vermont, listening on VMT. Yo, Spencer. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing? Good, man. You are officially the co-host for the next three hours. I hope you're not busy. No, I'm ready for it. Let's do it, baby. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the main thing is just kind of piggybacking off of uh, your guys' last segment. I think one thing a lot of people are forgetting about with this whole UAP and these objects kind of over our airspace um, is that this isn't, you know, just a recent thing. They have mm-hmm. the 60 Minutes episode uh, on this just, you know, just a few years ago about Captain David Fravor and the mm-hmm. U.S. Air Force, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Ryan Graves in that gimbal video. Where these UAPs and these objects, they've been over our airspace for what seems like years and years now. Yep. Um, so regardless of, you know, what our government wants to say as far as, oh, we don't know or what it, what it might be, the possibilities are, are really alarming considering if this is, you know, Russian, Chinese, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, even if this is alien, you know, I don't want to have my tinfoil hat on and sound <laughs> like a madman. But at a certain point, because this hasn't been addressed. Yeah, um, it starts to spout a lot of theories, and it is a lot of capabilities that these aircrafts are displaying that we need an explanation for. It's really alarming, and yeah, I agree that Biden or someone needs to say something about this. It really makes Biden look weak to not be out there as the leader, number one. But number two, I think one of the reasons he's not going out there is they don't actually have a concrete understanding of what this is. I think like there's no tinfoil hat involved. Like the the fact that. You know, we saw that was a 2004 video, the first time our fighter pilots showed us something that had technology we didn't understand. So there's a very good chance that there's some type of program, whether it's a combatant technology or it's people from another planet. Although the truth is, I don't I don't know. I don't think it was aliens only because Biden hasn't offered them voting rights and given them a stimulus check yet. But uh, you never know. 
You never know, Spencer, but it's, I think you're right. I think he needs to get out there and say something. Uh, I think they can get some more bold font into that teleprompter. They got some left over from the State of the Union. So is that your first decree as co-host? Biden needs to speak. All right. Spencer has spoken. We'll get to more of your calls when we come back. 888-788-9910. America's family meeting rolls on after this. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Tom Bevin's coming by. He is the founder of Real Clear Politics. Comedian Charles McBee is here. But we're going to do a lot of you and me time between now and then. America's family meeting now in session. Uh, R.D. batting leadoff in this hour. He's on the line in Longview, Texas. Yo, R.D. Hey, Jimmy. My man. How you living? I was just, I was just wanting to say that what we're discussing now about these blooms and all that started appearing whenever it happened, uh, I feel like it's just a diversion to take everybody's mind off of the high gas prices, the high food prices, and all the other bumbling things that they've been doing in the administration. Well, there's no question they could use the diversion Uh, But my concern is that this is not a maneuver from our government. It's from another government that doesn't respect our government anymore. I mean, the truth is we've never had anything fly over our country in 65 years. So if, in fact, this is a hostile agitator doing this, they're definitely, you know, characterizing us as weak. They're definitely looking at this as an administration that doesn't have the big stick diplomacy of administrations past. But do you like who do you think would be smart enough to create these diversions within this administration? Because I don't look around and see anybody that's that strategically good. Do you? (laughs) No, I don't. That's, you mentioned that. I don't think none of them brought enough to do that. Yeah, we, we get, I think we I give too much credit. You know, there's a thing here, R.D., and I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to let you keep talking. I've never watched the presidential administration function before and felt like I was qualified to be a part of one. But don't you kind of feel like you could be running this country better than most of the people running it? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Because I don't, I don't think... I just don't think the person that's in there is the actual person that everybody thinks it is. Yeah. I think he's a stand-in. Yeah. And it's being run by somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it's bureaucrats. I mean, Joe Biden might be in his home in Delaware asleep right now. So <laughs> that's why he can't come to the podium and talk. Well, he's not sleeping right now because it's on the East Coast, 1237. And D.C. time, Bonanza's on. So I know he's awake. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, usually has his nap around 11. No, no, he's not going to miss Bonanza. Come on, R.D., this is a serious president here. He's got Bonanza, then the, the pudding cup, and he probably goes back to bed around 2. Keep up with the group. <laughs> I'm kidding. Absolutely, man. Good stuff, buddy. I'm going to be back in Longview soon. Let's get together and have a beer on you, huh? Yeah, no problem, dude. I'll buy you two. All right. Thanks, Mr. Vice President. <laughs> I'll see you soon. 
Uh, Dennis is up in Salisbury, Vermont. He's paying attention. Yo, Dennis. Jimmy, I called about KJP, but mm. you got me off on balloons. And um, my kid was distraught when I told her that the object they shot down looked a lot like the balloon that slipped off of her wrist and floated into the sky. <laughs> oh, no. But she recovered somewhat when I told her that their first uh, $10,000 shot missed. <laughs> Did you see that story? Our Sidewinder missile uh, missed a balloon. It's somewhere in the ocean, uh, above Lake Huron, not the ocean, but it's above Lake Huron. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know that this is a distraction. I think what's going on is somebody's kind of given us the finger. That's my takeaway. What do you think? I wonder what Zelensky's uh, thinking with the quality control on those missiles. But listen, <laughs> if they could just um, edit the pseudo words um, er, and ah, uh, from KJP's binders, his her press conferences could be cut in half. <laughs> well, the nice thing is her press conferences are already being trimmed down because whenever world events get too crazy, they throw her off the stage and put an adult up there. Like Kirby did 40 minutes the other day and she just sat on the side, which which is very much like a kiddie table. You know what I mean? It's like if you if you walked into the dining room on a holiday and your parents are talking about politics, somebody usually hands you a roll and send you to another room. And that's essentially what they're doing. How could those intellectuals in the press corps sit still? Jimmy, <laughs> listen, uh, imparting, uh, if your show makes me incredibly wealthy in a household name, there's a half dozen free-range chicken eggs in it for you. Whoa. Now, you're speaking of wealth, <laughs> that's a lot of cash right now. All right. Well, you got me, Dennis. Uh, that We have taken a verbal agreement here for everybody to witness, and we can follow up on this should your prosperity come to be. Uh, the great Dennis in Salisbury, Vermont. So, listen, a couple of things I have to play you that really build on the conversation we're already having, and we can have more of this conversation, 888-788-9910. But yesterday, in addition to talking about the balloon crisis and the fact that Biden isn't speaking to it, they did try with a straight face to sell people on the idea that the economy happens to be working. That is a fact check false. OK, I bring this up because this is so fascinating. There's something going on in the world we live in now where politicians don't acknowledge, at least not in the Democratic Party, they happen to be the people in charge right now. They're destroying their credibility by refusing to acknowledge reality. It's a weird strategic gambit designed to embolden one half of the country to keep voting for them and hope that when the elections roll around, they can pull off enough moderate to independent support to get them over the top. Everybody is campaigning to their base now. Tell the base how to feel. Tell them what talking points to spout on Twitter and Facebook and go out there confidently like we're winning at all times. Okay, I'll give you examples on this. The Afghan troop withdrawal, which is considered, you know, pound for pound, one of the biggest foreign policy embarrassments in the history of the country, like might be the biggest in the sense that we went to Afghanistan for 20 years. The goal was to make sure it didn't become a breeding ground for terror groups. We went to think about that. We went to Afghanistan in response to September 11th. The world knows why we went. We know why we went. It was openly declared to the world. We went there and invested 20 years to make sure it didn't become a breeding ground for terrorists. Okay, we left with a terror group running the government sitting on $85 billion worth of our weapons. 
and we left in a haphazard manner in which the president took out the troops with the guns before the civilians with the cell phones. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Okay, the world saw that. The world saw us send troops back over there. The world saw people clinging to cargo jets. The world saw young couples in Afghanistan throwing their babies over barbed wire fences, hoping anyone would catch them and take them to a better life than the one they were about to grow up under with Taliban rule. The world saw that. Thirteen of our service members died. The world saw that. But this administration got on TV with a straight face and said it was the most successful airlift in American history. That's the response. Not even close. But that's what they said. Oh, this is good. No, you don't understand. We flexed our muscle for the world to see today. Something about the way the terror group chased us out of the country, killed 13 of our service members, caused us to leave 10,000 American civilians behind, turn our back on all of our interpreters and the people who cooperated with us during the war. That was a real projection of strength on the world stage is what it was. Okay, they didn't acknowledge reality. What they did was they claimed victory where any objective observer would clearly see that there wasn't one to be had. But that was the story they handed their base. Go forward in the world. Tweet on Twitter that Trump would have did it worse. Tweet that this is just a Republican talking point and blah, blah, blah. That's what they do. They don't acknowledge reality. And I bring this up because right now with the economy, okay, wage growth is slowing. Inflation is at a 40-year high. Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this yesterday, and she said Biden's economy is working. This is it. Clip 14. How do you view the setback in today's numbers? So a couple of things. I do want to say that uh, what we have said many times is that we believe that the president's um, the president's economic plan is indeed working and it's giving people a little breathing room. You heard me say this at the top, how the how we have seen, uh, um, you know, how we have seen um, the plan actually working. We see we're seeing inflation moderate uh, just a bit, uh, as we've seen the last couple of months. And that is important. And the way that we see things moving forward. We believe uh, that it is uh, uh, that is important to continue to work, to finish to finish the work that the president has started. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. I mean, really think about that. The president's plan is working. Okay, that's she just said that with a straight face. The president's plan is working. That's what she said. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. Because this is the strategy. Embolden your half of the country. No, no, it's working. And you understand their half of the country is getting screwed, too, when inflation is higher than wages. She said, oh, they're getting some breathing room now because the president's plan. If inflation is higher than wages... Nobody is getting breathing room. Correct the mundo. But they're leaning in and saying it's working anyway because they're just trying to keep their base fired up enough to keep buying in to help them win the next election. But the casualty here is the country. It's not their credibility. The credibility is already destroyed. Half the country will never believe a word that comes out of the mouth of anyone in this White House. Joe Biden was trotted out to a podium yesterday. They put a shock collar around his neck so he wouldn't talk about the balloons every time somebody asked him. A <laughs> but here is Biden yesterday. This is fascinating stuff. OK, with a straight face. Talking about how Republicans, you know, in those evil tax cuts. That gave 91 percent of Americans a tax cut, the Trump tax cuts, as they're derisively referred to. 
were the first tax cuts ushered in the first four economic quarters in the history of this country where the lowest 15% of income earners accelerated their household wealth quicker than the top 15% of income earners, meaning the biggest beneficiary of the Trump's tax cuts were single moms and poor people. Okay, they were the biggest beneficiaries. Biden wants to repeal those tax cuts. Why? Because they've sold them to their base as a gift to the rich. That's the talking point. Give these people who run on self-righteousness and moral superiority, give them grounds to hate something. The Democrats are a party of hate. All Republicans are racist. America is systemically biased. The patriarchy, the police, hate, 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 because you might feel a little bit better about yourself. What they do is they sell self-hating liberals other things that they can go out into the world and hate. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. That's the whole Democratic playbook. They are the party of hate. The Republicans don't hate anything. We hate running out of beer. That's what we hate. We don't hate transgender people. We think some of the biological explanations we're getting are hilarious because they're so wildly untrue. Okay, when you're telling us men can get pregnant and we need tampons in the boys' room at a high school, dude. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. We don't hate you. We think you're absurd. Okay, we think a lot of what's going on in this country is absurd. But the Democrats are selling hatred. So all of these policies are framed as a reason to hate other people. You accuse them of what you're doing. Oh, the Republicans are racist, so go hate them. Oh, the cops. Oh, you know, it's crazy. But here is Biden telling you tax cuts that benefited 91 percent of Americans, specifically the lowest income earners. Why did the rich get dinged by the Trump's tax cuts. If you want to know really quickly, if somebody's never articulated this to you, here it is. So the Trump tax cuts eliminated the SALT tax, which was called state and local tax. And the SALT tax essentially allowed people who lived in big houses who paid a lot of money in property taxes to only write off the first $10,000 of their property taxes. Traditionally, if you lived in a mansion on the Gold Coast of Long Island and your property taxes were $150,000, you could write off $150,000. Under the Trump tax cuts, you could only write off the first $10,000. So that put a dent into the wealthiest homeowners in terms of deductions. You know who else it put a dent into and nobody tells you this? Oh, he's just selling out for his rich friends. It put a huge dent into Trump. Oh, wow. Okay, if you own a piece of property that's worth $360 million and you traditionally could write off those property taxes, eliminating that write-off actually hurts his bottom line. Okay, but no one ever talks to you about that. They don't care about reality. They care about hatred. So here is Biden promising he needs to get rid of these Trump tax cuts. And you have to understand these Trump tax cuts help everybody but the rich. But here is Biden framing them as a bailout to the rich. This is what they do. Clip 17. You want to understand Trump tax cuts from the previous four years, which cost $2.7 trillion in debts extended. You don't have a clue. The Trump tax cuts 
Okay, if you repeal the Trump tax cuts, they will raise taxes on 91% of Americans. Do you know that because of the accelerated growth of our economy under the Trump tax cuts, we created an all-time record high in tax revenue? Okay, we don't have a problem right now with a deficit because of tax cuts. We don't have a problem right now because of revenue. We have a problem right now because of the spending in Washington. Bingo. So when Biden gets out there and sells them more hate, oh, the rich people, I'm telling you, they're messing with the economy. It's working. Okay, that's Corrine Jean-Pierre's claim. The president's plan is working. Yeah, well, if his plan is to create a golden age of women selling pictures of their feet on OnlyFans, then yes, it's working. I love it when you talk dirty. But if the plan is to actually improve the economy, then... Democrats are so full of crap. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Back to the phones. Jeff is in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yo, Jeff. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing today? I'm doing, man. It's a it's a little bit of a mess. We've got UFOs, train derailments, and flay. It's just a you know you gotta you gotta take on the teams on the schedule, I guess. But we got a hell of a schedule. Well, I I got a short time frame, so I just want to make two quick points. Yep. Um, a I think it's time we start blaming the American people for the leadership that we accept, no matter who it is, Democrat or Republican. They lie to us. They gaslight us. They blow smoke up our keisters. And we just keep buying it all the time. And the younger generation seems to be even dumber than the older generation. So at what point do we stop blaming people like Joe Biden, who's, you know, functionally illiterate, um, (laughs) and start blaming ourselves for allowing the system to do what it is doing to us? And then the second point I wanted to make, and I'll I'll create controversy maybe, but the Bible says laughter is medicine for the soul. So, Doc, fail get to work. We need a lot of laughter. (laughs) That's the closest I'm coming to any type of medical degree. So thank you, Jeff. I'll I'll put on my white lab coat and finish the show and make you proud. There you go. Keep us laughing. (laughs) Thanks for the call, brother. Uh, Jeff killing me over here. Here's the thing, okay, just so you understand. When you look out at the world right now, the biggest problem we have as Americans is that we're not playing team ball. And the fact that we're not playing team ball is why we inhabit the reality Jeff just mentioned, where we're being failed by leadership in both political parties. The biggest coup they ever staged in Washington was social media, because social media has completely transformed politics into a team sport. It is a branding exercise now. Your brand is Democrat. My brand is Republican. And it's become more important to beat your rival than it is to solve these issues. That's why we have so many incompetent people elected to high office. We don't care that they're incompetent as long as they're a member of our incompetent team. And that's the reality. When I get on the air in this show, I'm trying to get us to play team ball because as the country go, we go. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are fired up to bring you another big hour of top shelf radio in a bottom feeding political world. This country is a mess. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Well, one of them 
running to replace the people in Washington is Nikki Haley. Uh, She threw her hat in the ring a short while ago. The View has already weighed in. We're going to play some clips from The View in this hour. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Sorry, baby. It's going to hurt me as much as it hurts you. Uh, But comedian Charles McBee will be here to lighten the mood. And we're going to continue uh, to follow this story in East Palestine, Ohio, where the catastrophic disaster that happened on the railways has been cleared with the help of a self-started chemical fire to get the rail company back up and running. And, of course, the transportation secretary is now trying to pretend he was following this story all along. That was the Pete Buttigieg thing yesterday. He put out a tweet saying, I continue to be concerned by the situation in East Palestine, Ohio. You're in the lowest form of life on Earth. He really is. Why? Because he had never acknowledged the disaster once until yesterday, 10 years, excuse me, 10 days into the disaster. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to perform like that. Pitiful. Really think about that. We have a transportation secretary. I've brought this up a lot on the show. But our transportation secretary was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana has a population that is not one one hundredth the size of America. Okay, he could not handle the roads in South Bend, Indiana. His nickname was Pothole Pete. Yet somehow we decided to make Pothole Pete in charge of every road in the whole country. This could be a problem. It's been a huge problem. They had another tractor-trailer overturn yesterday hauling toxic chemicals. We've, of course, got the train derailment. It's a mess, man. Okay, and the people in charge are obviously, again, more concerned with the politics than they are with the repercussions for the people affected by the mess. And one of the things we're going to be talking to Charles uh, McBee about is Judge's big claim that, well, you know, the real thing we should be focusing on right now is a lack of minority representation on construction sites. That was embarrassing. Wow, it's ridiculous, man. Okay, construction is a job that has been minority-majority for like 75 years. Construction sites are as integrated as anything. But this idea that we should be fighting these strong man, straw man battles is why things are deteriorating as rapidly as they are. Don't ever forget, we had this huge problem a few weeks back when none of the planes were taking off. Planes weren't leaving airports. Why? Because the computer software, NOTAM, which stood for Notice to Air Men, that's what the software was named. That's what it's been named for 50 years. They changed the software under Pete Buttigieg to Notice to Air Missions. That was absolutely dreadful. And why did they do that? Well, they said, well, calling it Air Men is insensitive. Not all these pilots are men. Not all of these pilots are women either, for that matter. Some of them are in between. Some of them are still figuring it out. So we can't call the software notice to air men. It's the last thing we want is a pilot getting upset by the wrong pronoun. Next thing you know, everybody's flying into the lake because the guy can't emotionally hit. Folks, if you don't have the emotional strength to hear the wrong pronoun, 
You should not be in charge of the lives of 300 other people. He knows what he's talking about. But the first thing Pete Buttigieg did in becoming our transportation secretary was try to regender the bridges, the roads, and the computer software that tells our pilots what to do. Again, none of us belong on a plane with a guy who's going to say, well, guy or gal or they or them who... Your pilot speaking. We're going to take off the 37,000 feet. Oh, hold on. We have a notice here to air men. Oh, that's it. We're crashing this thing. Hell no. Oh, I mean, think about that. That's the world we're creating. We're incentivizing grievance. We're cultural arsonists now on the left. They set fires that they themselves can extinguish and then claim heroism. Well, look at me. I changed the name of the computer software. You know, it used to be notice to air men. Now it's notice to air mission. Ah, your transportation secretary. I changed the computer software. Well, are the planes flying any better? The answer would be no. Oh, well, are they taking off on time more often? The answer would be no. Oh, oh, I, I see. <laughs> Do we have less fights on the planes? Have they become a little safer, at least when they're taxing? The answer would be no. Oh, okay. Well, as long as we're fighting the right battles here. Because clearly what you call things is more important than what those things do. I mean, this is the America we're living in. This is my radio call to arms every day. Yo, 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 you got to vote for the good people. Forget the party they're in. Take a good hard look at the policies and think about whether or not your quality of life is going to be improved by these policies. You cannot point to a single solitary thing from this administration that has improved your quality of life. But I'll give you right off the top of my head like I do every day. Dozens of things that have deteriorated in your quality of life because of this administration. Your safety, which is first and foremost to you and your family, has gone way downhill. If you look at the violent crime stats across the country, they are skyrocketing. It's horrific. It's heartbreaking. Okay, the quality of your education, forget about it. The average school kid in the last two years has lost over a full year of academic gains. I love the poorly educated. Okay, small businesses are getting crushed. They've had a hard time hiring because of enhanced unemployment benefits. They had a hard time attracting business because of vaccine mandates. We were told by this administration, well, you know, we're not going to have vaccine mandates. We'd never do such a thing, only to implement vaccine mandates. But we were told they were justified because vaccinated people, they could not, would not get COVID. Okay, but again, that compromised the quality of life because they were wrong. Okay, if you want to talk about things like the border, fentanyl's become the leading cause of adult death in this country, which means we are all now more, our health, our well-being more jeopardized than it was under previous administrations. And as it pertains to inflation, inflation came in at 6.4% last month, a year over year. Okay, a 6.4% increase. That means you were paying more this year than you were last year by 6.4%. They claim this is a victory. Well, it's not rising as fast as it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. Your house is on fire. Uh, But the flames are only in 80% of the house now. They're not in all 100% of the house. So that's good news. That's not good news. It's still a bad crisis. But this is what you deal with. When you get people in Washington that are career politicians, career politicians run on re-election. That's what they run on. They don't run on improving the quality of your life. Okay, they don't run on deliverables. They they run on grievance. The deliverables they'll give you are fake ones. Like when Pete Buttigieg says, "We're you know, we need this initiative to diversify our construction sites." They're already diversified. 
so he can already claim victory. It's a built-in win. They can look back a year from now and go, last year, I spoke to the American people about making our construction sites more diverse. And even though we didn't provide any data on the statistics on diversity at the time, I'm here to tell you that construction sites are very diverse. This is politics as usual. Okay, they're very diverse, meaning a year from now, they'll be the same as they are right now. They'll be the same as they were five years ago. They'll be the same as they were 30 years ago. Okay, construction diversity is not an issue in this country. Okay, but they prioritize things like this, which is why the meaningful stuff crumbles around them. And I think that's the biggest challenge we're facing right now. You have a government whose priorities aren't yours. American people did not want climate change on a whole scale level which is why they passed the largest climate change bill in history under the title of the Inflation Reduction Act. What a fraud! Think about that. Ah, it's the Inflation Reduction Act. doesn't reduce inflation. It will add to the inflation in the short term. Long term, the hope is that it will be inflation neutral. But we just added billions of dollars to our national debt under the name of inflation reduction. That is financial lunacy. Might I add inflation reduction that doesn't actually do the gig, but does in fact dump a half a billion dollars in climate subsidies onto people who weren't asking for it. Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. Think about that. Okay, if you and me were passing a bill, okay, the bill was called, oh, I don't know, free beer and strippers. Hubba hubba. Okay, but if we were passing a bill called free beer and strippers, okay, We wouldn't need to retitle it to get the support of all of our male friends. Okay, wouldn't wouldn't we wouldn't have to? Well, geez, hmm. we're going to be giving away free beer and strippers this weekend. (laughs) If only we could find a creative thing to call it, so people would support the free beer and stripper bill. That's what's going on right now. We wouldn't have to retitle the bill. Why? Because the bill would be popular enough. On its own. I think he's got a point. Okay, in this instance, their policies get passed under different names. When they pass the American Rescue Plan, again, it sounds great. You're like, whoa, they're rescuing America. Hey, I want to rescue America. Hey, honey, give me my Indiana Jones hat. I'm saving the day. You know, that whole thing. But except they weren't rescuing America. They were plunging America further into debt. The American Rescue Plan, at a time when inflation was crushing us and small businesses were struggling to stay afloat, it drove inflation higher and made the hiring process even more difficult through enhanced unemployment benefits. The American Rescue Plan was the equivalent of throwing a drowning man a sofa. Okay, that's what we did. So right now, like, we find ourselves in such a unique precipice in our history, because we've, we've, for the first time in our lives, elected politicians who brazenly don't even pretend to do our bidding. Don't even, don't even pretend to do our bidding. Okay, now this is what we want. We want climate change. You guys are too stupid to want it. You don't know any better. We're going to go out and ban your gas stove because you don't know any better. People are dying a stove. You don't realize it. They're, every day, somebody goes to cook mac and cheese. They just drop dead. Stove kills them. I'm telling you, it's bad. And, of course, the real pretense for banning gas stoves is not that people were dying from them. We know that. You've never been to a funeral. Been like, what did he die of? Oh, GE. GE, yeah, General Electric got him. You've never been to a funeral and had that happen to you. Okay, but the pretense there is they want to ban gas cars. Do you? 
No. If you poll Americans, nobody wants to ban gas cars. Nobody. Okay. But they know the only way they're going to get you to come around to seeing it their way, if they can get you to shake your head yes on other gas-powered mechanisms. So that's the pretense behind banning gas stoves. Well, if we get these people to shake their heads that gas stoves are terrible, it's only a few years from now that we can get them to shake their heads on banning gas cars. That's the hook. That's the long game. That's how they work in that party. But what they failed to acknowledge, number one, is nobody wants this. Number two, we can't have a world without fossil fuels. Can't have one, period. No one can call into the show and explain to me how we're going to do this without fossil fuels at any point in the next 200 years. At any point, can't be done. It can't be done without the vast majority of our energy coming from the traditional sources. Cannot be done. But they continue to pretend that we're going to do it this other way in the name of saving the planet and the environment. But everybody telling you that knows nothing about energy. What they know a lot about is raising cash. Please give us money. That's all climate change is, man. And again, that's not your agenda. But you have, a, you have a government now that's yelling at you about climate change at every turn. They're yelling at you about diversity at every turn. But you don't care about those things. Why? Number one, diversity. Stop it. We are so far past race as a people. We now live in America where people pretend to be minorities to increase their chances of get, getting accepted into jobs and colleges. Okay, you're not oppressed if you're faking minority status or alternative sexual status to increase your chances of being hired. In fact, the wind is at your back. That's where we live now. We have elected officials like Elizabeth Warren that have lied about being Native American to get herself ahead. That's not oppression. But understand, we live amongst each other in an integrated society. Okay? Racism is a byproduct of ignorance. It was able to subsist in this country for quite some time. Because a lot of the Democrats, who were the Dixiecrats, who perpetuated Jim Crow on this country, were living a sheltered existence in which they didn't interact with members of other races. Racism being a byproduct of ignorance, you hate things and fear things that you don't understand or know anything about. Once we integrated society, we came to understand we're all the same. We're just people. You know, Democrats try to put us into boxes and divide us along racial lines and identity boundaries. But the reality is we all want the same things, man. We're just trying to make money, have a few laughs, keep our families safe, get a little something-something at the end of the night. But they keep pushing these other initiatives of division because if we're divided, it's a lot easier for them to advance their own agenda because they can basically say, well, hey, listen, we know there's two sides in this country, racist and non-racist. Okay, here at the non-racist side, we want climate change because climate change is race. I'm like, wait, what? It is mother nature, birthing person nature. We know that's not true. They don't give you data. You know the old adage, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. Democrats are pounding the table on racism and inclusion at construction sites and identity politics and climate reparations. Why? Not because it's true, but because it's a lot easier to get support when you divide us that way. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, 
It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon holding this country together on a Wednesday. My man Charles McBee coming by in the next break. Going to have a little chit-chat about all things America. Why? The country's a mess right now. It really is a Real Housewives episode. The only reason nobody's throwing wine at each other is we need the booze. Because everything's just such a, I mean, man. Biden is such a disaster. It really is. But it won't stop me from going on the road. I'll be up in Fat Cats this weekend. All five shows are sold out. But you can come hang out. You can come to the bar. There's going to be a meet and greet. You can meet your radio buddy, meet some Fox Across America listeners. And then we're going back on the road. It'll be Friday night, March the 3rd at the Federal Way Performing Arts and Events Center in Federal Way, Washington. Just there in Seattle. Be on my 10-city tour. Come hang out. And uh, Saturday night, March the 4th, I'm at the Crest Theater in Sacramento, California. And then we head out to Tower, uh, the Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon. That is Friday night, April the 7th. Saturday night, April the 8th, I will be at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. And then we come back to the East Coast. I'll be in New Jersey at Bananas, April 21st and 22nd. Then there are some dates coming up for the Laugh, the uh, Laughs and Liberty Tour. Uh, Kennedy and I are going out to do a handful of dates together. Uh, Kennedy is, of course, the woman who gave me my start on this channel. And uh, we're going to hit the road and get to meet some of our Fox viewers and spend a little time. It's basically a cheap excuse for us to go eat at good steakhouses outside of New York where we're tired of getting thrown out for going a little too crazy at the bar. You know how the K-Train gets. Thanks, big government weenuses. I will be hosting her show next week, uh, Wednesday the 22nd, Thursday the 23rd. Uh, and we got a lot of fail vision coming up the rest of this week. I'll be on with Sean Hannity tomorrow night before I leave for Fat Cats. Tonight I'll be on with Dagan and Duffy on the bottom line. And you know Dagan's thrilled to have me back on set. That is balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm. Oh, stop it. Balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm, as Miss McDowell has so eloquently stated, is what's going on in our Department of Transportation. We're going to discuss that and so much more with my main man, Charles McBee, when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Kind of thrilled to have this next guest in studio. He is, of course, a superstar comedian and writer. Charlemagne the God over on Comedy Central, but right now he is taking time out from his very busy schedule of posting selfies with his new girlfriend <laughs> on Instagram. Charles McBee is here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, and and listen, I just want to say that uh, you know, Jen Fela was great to pose in those pictures with me. It was <laughs> McBee! very nice of her. McBee! To- <laughs> listen, I would sign up for a night off. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so you know, would she. Yeah, hey girl, the amount of stuff I gotta do over here, come go right ahead. Every time Lincoln makes the joke, he's like, Ah, oh, every time you come home early, the landscaper climbs out the bedroom window. <laughs> I'm like, Lincoln, if that guy falls, it's gonna jack up our homeowner's insurance. <laughs> Tell him to take the front door. <laughs> So one, of the, one of the most flattering things that ever happened to me is when I was a cab driver, it's a funny story. I was coming down 9th Avenue right by the Westway Diner. Mm-hmm. It's the first fare of the day. So I picked this guy up at like 4.52 in the morning and just exhausted. You know what? I, and, you know, I, I hate to invoke this imagery, but, you know, like beat down a guy is um, at the end of like one of those, you know, it's what, what is the, it's lethal weapon. Do you know when he flies out the window, Danny Glover? Yeah. He's just like, I'm too old to be doing this. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So that's where I'm at in life. Okay. Driving my cab. 
cab down Ninth Avenue. And as we get to the Westway Diner, the guy in the back seat kicks the door open and just runs like he's beating me out of the nine bucks. <laughs> but the fact that he made the effort that he did was flattering. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. like, do I really look like a guy <laughs> that's breaking into a sprint right now to go get back the nine dollars? You know, the most shocking thing about that story is that you once drove a cab. I've never heard you speak about this. <laughs> I, you should talk about that more. That's an interesting backstory. Do you ever? I mean, you know. <laughs> I was I was gonna you know make we have a lot to get to. I appre- I appreciate the cheap shot, uh, which I do bring up a lot because I want credit as I've told you before when we were filling in for Kennedy. Yes, no one has done more in life with less <laughs> than I have, and I want the credit. It's like you know when a guy goes takes over a one in fifteen football team and like wins the Super Bowl within two years. Yeah, that's essentially what I've done. I graduated like last in my class. I have no idea about anything, but I've convinced so many people that I'm somewhat intelligent and functional, and I deserve credit for that. I want credit. Or you should be locked away. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did see the Valentine's Day selfies. Uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, I don't know anything about the new person in your life. Are you yes. allowed to tell me anything? No, <laughs> because sure. because I actually. <laughs> value you value this relationship. This relationship. Okay, I'll ask. And I will not go on a national broadcast. De- defense wins championships. There you go. You know, especially in the beginning of the relationship, you're very idealistic and you know, right, right, protected. Right. See, so, yeah, me and Jenny were there once. <laughs> <laughs> now we're joking about the landscaper, and I'm like, I'm like sheesh. You know. Anyway, Jenny's uh, like joking. Did you watch uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, by the way? I did watch it. Okay. Uh, I have comments, but one of the things I want to speak to, <laughs> without even – we'll get to your opinion, is there were no collaborations. And I want to speak to the reason why. Because I've been telling people this on the Fox set, and they didn't know this. Right. Her biggest collaborators are Kanye, which is not exactly an ideal guy to have on right, right now. Right, right. And can you speak to the Jay-Z situation, which is Jay-Z saying umbrella with her. Yeah. But Jay-Z, uh, but Rihanna is the reason Beyonce's sister beat up Jay-Z at the Met Gala. No, that's a lie. How dare you spread that propaganda? <laughs> he knows! How dare She's you? She's Becky with the good hair She's in the Lemonade Becky album. Becky with the yes, good hair. Yes, she is. McBee! Why don't you Shame stop on it? you. So How you, dare so you? So is your girlfriend friends with Beyonce or Rihanna? I need to know this because <laughs> you're being very protective of a true story. Right McBee. McBee playing defense. Listen, but, uh, the only person that Rihanna was collaborating with is uh, ASAP Rocky. Oh, <laughs> hey, girl. They we, had a baby. Yeah, that's that's right. a thing. Yeah, that's that's right. a thing. Charles McBee is in studio, and I did say we should be thankful that with all the balloons, we're lucky the government didn't shoot her down. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I looked. I was watching the Super Bowl. I thought I saw a Goodyear blimp. It was just a Chinese spy, <laughs> spy balloon hovering above. Every time she went up another foot, I'm like, yo, Riri, get down from there. Do not go outside of that dome. Uh, she was already <laughs> dressed in red. <laughs> Don't do it. It's like, uh-oh. What are you doing? It's crazy. Uh, but me and McBee are going to have a little chit-chat here. Um, one of the things I wanted to get into you with, you're a New York guy, man. You yeah. live here in New York. So we have this train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. You're right. from Ohio originally. And it wasn't acknowledged by Pete Booty Judge for 10 days, his transportation secretary. Yeah. He caught a lot of heat for that. So yesterday he tweeted, I continue to be concerned by the situation. Continue to be – that's – strategic wording to make it sound like he was in on this from word one. Right. If you continue to be concerned, it means you were concerned prior. And if you're concerned prior, you probably acknowledge it at one point in the last 10 days. No. But what he did speak about, and it upset a lot of people, but it specifically upset minority callers to the show, is he was saying, you know, the big priority right now is with all this new infrastructure, we need construction sites that are diverse. We're tired of seeing all of these, like, all-white construction sites. But construction is more integrated than anything. 
in the United States of America and has been for like 50 years. So this is the question I'm asking, and the only reason I wanted to ask you this, because you famously opined on my show that when the election cycle comes, I believe you said white politicians will shuck and jive. I believe that was the term or whatever it was, do the bus stop or the Carlton or whatever to try to win the black vote. Are we getting to that season now where, you know, people are starting to announce for 2024 so the Democrats are starting to care again? Is that what we're getting? I I, I don't know. I'm asking. Yes, uh, but I feel like, and maybe you could speak to this, I feel like it's starting to happen earlier and earlier. Uh It used to be like there was election season, the presidential season, and now it's like as soon as the election is over with, it's just like we're off to the next. <laughs> it's hockey. The next one. You know, you don't have to watch hockey to know it doesn't end. Like <laughs> yeah. They, they have a Stanley Cup parade like June 20th, and they're like, all right, well, we got spring training here, July there, 5th. Yeah, there's inauguration, and then the next day it's like, so uh, who do you think the Democrats have lined <laughs> up for the? It's like, we just put the last guy in. <laughs> so maybe that is what's going on is that we've turned the presidential election into a hamster wheel. And it just runs endlessly now. Yeah, basically. Because Nikki Haley just got in down in South Carolina. She's catching heat. Tim Scott was on yesterday on our show. Uh, very artfully dodging the question, by the way. Yeah. This is how you – you know, like if you're not doing something as a politician, you flat out say it. If you're doing something, you say nothing. You know what I So let right. me give you this. I, I said to Tim Scott – you know, he had mentioned Trump's, you know, Trump's policies, his tax cuts lifted, you know, record number of people out of poverty. And I go, well, you ought to be careful because you might have to be running against those policies in like four months. Then what do you do? And he said, no. <laughs> this is what he said. This is like A1 media training. This is like how I know he's raised good money. Yeah. They get in the line. They go, well, Jimmy, it's, you know, when I look out at the American people, I think of the mission, not the position. <laughs> and you know what? I know. Charles Payne said to me this morning, he goes, oh, that brother could have used that in a Valentine's Day. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but again, that is a very careful non-answer scripted by some high-level writers. So my question is, I know you're right for Charlemagne. Are you writing for Tim Scott? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I could be because it all, he's almost as good as when as me when you ask me things about. <laughs> what's, what's up with your girlfriend? Yeah, the number S- you have reached. SNL. Yeah, when you ask me about SNL, Stephanie McBee working on The View. It's oh, the same, yeah. It's the same answer every time. Man, Everyone's lo- great and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to work with them. Charles McBee, when I ask him questions about his sister and the time she spent working at The View, uh, he gives you no answer into the microphone, but he literally holds up note cards. Like it's <laughs> that, that old NXS video where he tells you the story. <laughs> Please don't ask about the view. Ah, oh, funny stuff. Well, I think there's something going on there. Other Super Bowl question. I don't think, maybe you can argue with me, but I hope you agree. I don't think we should have uh, separate national anthems. Is that controversial? Uh, you, uh, did they do? Uh, see, I didn't see. I, I saw later clips of, and forgive uh-huh. me, I know this is the wrong place to get the name wrong, so I won't do it. But the guy who sung the national anthem, he's a country oh, singer. Oh, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton. Beautiful. He was great. Oh, it was great. Niagara Falls. It yeah, was yeah. great. Uh-huh. Did they do the yes, black national anthem? every voice and sing. They and did it. girls sing it. I don't know who it was. I believe it was Cheryl Lee Ralph. Am I right? It was Cheryl Lee Ralph? It was Cheryl Lee Ralph. Probably. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I didn't see, I, uh-huh. I didn't uh-huh. see that part. Uh, and you think that that shouldn't be a thing? Mm-hmm. I, I just think we're. I think we're going backwards. I think it's segregation. Do you think that that's the thing of all the no. things? No, no, no. I don't think it's like the the hill to die on. Yeah, I just think it's unnecessary. I think it's divisive. I think the Super Bowl is a moment where we're about to watch as a country. 130 million of us are about to watch a football field where 80 percent of the people on it are black. 
Like we're we're it's an inclusive moment. We're yeah. thrilled. We support these people. We give them we give everybody on that field all of our money and our attention. We're gonna watch the commercials. And I feel like it's like a step backwards, uh, not a step in unity. I feel like it's a step in division. I'm an, I'm gonna agree with you. Oh McB! But 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 but, but, but here it comes. I'm gonna agree with you, but mm. for a different reason that you probably won't like. Okay, well, give it to me. I don't think we should do the black national anthem at the Super Bowl either. Oh, you don't think we should do either? I like it. When we keep that thing to ourselves. Okay. In the black community. Oh. oh. I don't want to share it. You don't want to share it? No, it's ours. It's great. <laughs> what do you mean? What's going I don't want to sing it out. I don't want everybody singing along. I don't want you knowing the words. Uh-huh. I like that it's ours. It's like when we do the uh-huh. black Stevie Wonder birthday song and yeah, yeah. You, you guys can't <laughs> sing along because you clap on the one and the three. I like that we have our thing that's great to us. And I don't want it to be all spread all over the place either. All right. So I know you can't tell me a lot about this new girlfriend, but is she Malcolm X's niece? (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? This is militant Charles McBee in my studio. No, I I get it. I get it. But we agree, though. (laughs) No, I don't agree with the premise because I don't want anything segregated. I don't want anything segregated. I think we're going in the wrong direction is what I think. And there's this weird thing where I think it's, it's almost like we're highlighting racial divisions too much as a country. It's like one of the reasons we're so agitated about this issue is we don't stop talking about it. And here I am bringing it up to you because we're pretty comfortable talking about it. Um, but I think I think we're going backwards. That's what I think. And I think it's by design. Like I think half of the country, and I think it's specifically white people. I don't think black people are asking for this. I think white coastal elites who want to be liked by black people, they don't want to hang out with you. They'll call the cops on you if you show up to their cul-de-sac. Right. But they want to be liked by you. Yes. So they're trying to pick battles and fights on your behalf that you're not asking for. I agree. and uh, I But I will push back a bit mm-hmm. on what you said about you're, you're tired of talking about it. It's like, yes, you as a white cab driver who made it to the upper echelons of, <laughs> of, cab the, biz- of the business mm. – Get to say, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it. But there are people who live in this country. I know it's not popular to say, but there's people and groups of people who live in this country who can't be tired of talking about it because they have to live with certain elements of that all the time. Like right now. Like right now. But do you think anyone's oppressed in this country? Because I don't think they are. I think that there are definitely systems set in place that uh, attribute to people being oppressed. However, that does not mean that you can't. Uh, work out of it, that you can't still accomplish things. However, it's not fair when certain groups of people are on a different level playing field yeah. than other groups, even though that still means that that group that's a, that but, is oppressed but, can still thrive but and still point, But succeed. to that, okay, fair. Charles McBee is in studio. To that point, okay, Barack Obama's message of yes, we can is now been abandoned by the Democrats, and they're going in the opposite direction. Okay, we went from yes, we can to like if the government doesn't do it, you're screwed. Yeah. You know, and they claimed voter ID was racist towards black people because they weren't capable of getting one. Like I consider that the soft bigotry of low expectations. Oh, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the, I, nothing a politician says I ever take with sincerity. Yeah. It's all, they're all. He's learning. <laughs> <laughs> They're all full of you know what. It's, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So I all of that pandering, like uh-huh. like I said before. Mm-hmm. Yes, during the election season, you'll see the next whoever up in a black church somewhere in the pulpit doing the Dougie. Yeah. It, it, it's but, just what it is. But this is my frustration because the Democrats are trying to shift their primary season to begin in South Carolina because the black vote controls right. the nomination. Yeah. But I feel like black voters don't get enough out of the party. 
meaning I think the party runs on empathy and caring, but I don't think they're doing enough to deliver. I'm not telling you the Republicans are doing enough to deliver either, but I'm telling you, like, the Democrats, there seems to be, like, an entitlement to that support from the black community. Absolutely. And you're starting to see, like, a higher-profile pushback, and the Republicans are electing a lot more black people. Mm -hmm. And I think at some point this is going to come to a substantive head, and I think it would be the best thing that ever happened to the country is if we started debating these issues on the substance as opposed to, like, who's who we can demagogue, who's a racist. Because I don't actually think, like, what DeSantis is doing in Florida, like that AP African Studies course, he's banning because of queer theory and intersectionality. He's not saying you can't teach slavery or the Civil War or the Jim Crow stuff, but it's branded as that. And, like, what I'm saying is I don't – I think it denies us, like, a fair discussion. Like, I think it's really hard to have a fair discussion because I think politics has become an exercise in convincing everybody who the other guy is. Yeah. So it's like the Republicans are like, well, they're socialists. They want to destroy the country. And the Democrats are like, well, they're in the Klan. They want to destroy the country. Yeah. And then we don't actually talk about the story. So do you think maybe – I don't know the answer to this because we've diagnosed politicians as being in the politics business. They're in business for themselves. Do you think there's a bigger case being made for more outsiders? I'm not saying Trump, but I'm saying more people with that type of acumen but perhaps without that personality. Do you think we're 20 years from that or do you think po- politicians are never giving back the grip again? No, no, power? no. I think we're absolutely uh, right. You're right on the money. And there – and. Black people, as well as other mm-hmm. communities, I'm starting to notice, but particularly black people I can speak to, there is a lot of pushback now when it comes to the Democratic Party. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who may not necessarily be jumping on the Republican train, but definitely jumping on the I'm going to hold my vote until well, somebody does something for me train. And yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, it's changing the political landscape. Yeah, and I would definitely jump off the trains while Pete Booty Judge is in charge. Should we on any train? Oh. Right now it's a, it's a bad time bad to be on time. a train. Bad time. Especially if it's hauling chemicals. Good uh, Lord. We got to talk off the air because I got to find out about I, – I know you've been given offers to go on comedy tours and everything in between. We have to catch up. I know yeah. nothing. Yeah, we got to do you it. You just showed up with a fancy new woman in a fine leather jacket. <laughs> some, something's up, McBee. We don't know what. I'm pretty convinced he's writing for the Tim Scott campaign. I'll get back to you after this break, everybody. Good stuff. The show that leaves you without hope or change. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, still rolling with Charles McBee. We tried during the commercial break. Get him out of here. No. Get him out. Won't leave. <laughs> this, this new woman is in his life. He is defiant. He is loud and proud. Uh, one of the big headlines on our show yesterday was Roseanne Barr was in studio. She has a new stand-up special out. It's called Cancel This. It's on Fox Nation. I know you haven't seen it yet. But I am of the mind, and I wanted to ask you this, yeah. that the tide has already turned in terms of comedy and that the comedians are winning again. I don't oh, yeah. believe. I, I I don't think we're getting canceled again. I think we're winning. I think the crowd's on our side now. I think Chappelle is what saved it. I think Chappelle's definitely. He was definitely at the forefront. But yeah, yeah when comedians, the real com- the funny ones, mm-hmm. aren't complaining about you know cancel culture anymore. No, though. well, there's a thing it, within the clubs. You you know you'd get an uprising here and there. Yeah, but it was never really in the clubs the way people think it was. It was on the internet. It's like when your video hits the internet and the two people watching it didn't have two drinks right. and didn't laugh at a lot of off-color stuff before the particular joke in question. Right. That's where comedy was losing. It's that out of context. And I also think it's good. I mean, not that, you know, I'm not a fan of 
quote unquote cancel culture and all this stuff. But it was actually a good thing because comedy was getting really annoying for a while. <laughs> it was taking itself too seriously. Taking itself too seriously. <laughs> the dweebs were taking over. Yes. It was like a lot of and then it, you know and, and now we're back kind of in that element but, where you can it's mm-hmm. good to that Lenny Bruce yeah. say the bad thing. You know, you go to comedy clubs to hear that awful thing. Like that's why you go. And I, we're back to that now. I love the ta- this. I'm convinced you're writing for Tim Scott now, because there was a diplomatic word you used there. What's called, that? You said the dweebs are taking over because you knew better than to say the white bearded guys in flannels because they were taking over for a while. <laughs> no, th- them too. <laughs> <laughs> but them the truth too. is, comedy is alive and well. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. When you go on the road, the audiences are amazing. The people who are getting upset were always in the minority. But we didn't know that because right. social media created the perception like, oh, the whole world must be mad. The world doesn't care. Right. The world's on fire. Nobody cares about a, co- a joke at a comedy show they didn't go to. <laughs> so if anything, we've gotten back perspective. It's great. Thank you. He's, Charles just said you're welcome, Roseanne. Or thank, or thank you, Roseanne, I think is what you said. I'm kidding. Uh, the hour's over. Somehow we survived. Uh, we're back in the next one with Tom Bevan from Real Clear Politics takes us inside the 2024 Republican race. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we got a wild one coming up in this hour. Tom Bevan, he is the founder of Real Clear Politics and is going to give us the first look inside the 2024 race for the Republican nomination. Nikki Haley got into the race this morning. She announced her candidacy down in her home state of South Carolina. We're hearing rumblings that yesterday's guest, Tim Scott, could be jumping in any minute now. And, of course, the hot rumor in Florida is that Ron DeSantis has hired up all the consultants, and uh, they are rare in the go as well. Uh, This, of course, comes to a head with probably the most formidable figure in the Republican Party of the last 30 or 40 years, which is, of course, Donald Trump, who is still out there campaigning as we speak. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. Well, right now the speech is a lot to do with Nikki Haley, because shortly after announcing via video yesterday, she made some headlines with the ladies over on a TV show called The View. The View is awful. Is it ever? But I point this out because it's really interesting, and I, and I want us to take this journey together. Okay, the 2024 race, it's, it's a thing now. The Republican race is underway. The Democratic race hasn't yet started. That doesn't really start until uh, Biden announces that he's not running again. I agree with that. Okay, I, I, I genuinely don't think he's running again. The guy, I mean, he's a mess. And I know it's hard to unseat an incumbent president within your own party. It hasn't happened since Lyndon B. Johnson. But there's such a massive appetite in this country for new leadership. Twenty two percent of Americans want Biden to run again. Oh, I'm in trouble. So meaning nobody wants to do this. And I genuinely don't I think he's running again. If he was going to run again, I think he would have announced already. And I think if, in fact, I am wrong and he does ultimately announce it's because, yes, the ego of having gotten to the presidency once is probably a lot to, you know, break up with. But I think there are people running this administration that have gotten addicted to the power, that like the fact that they are the president. Because Joe Biden, for all intents and purposes, remember this, is an elderly relative with dietary restrictions. You bring him out to eat, he's not allowed to order whatever he wants. He can order. You know, the waiter comes by and he goes, I'll have the lasagna. But then before the waiter walks away, 
one of the younger relatives has to grab him and be like, hey, hey, Grandpa can't have cheese. Just do me a favor. Bring him the chicken. He won't know the difference. Are you sure? Yeah, don't even worry about it. Just bring him the chicken. And, you know, 10 minutes later, the waiter comes back with the chicken. And the younger relative and the waiter look at each other and laugh. His grandpa's like, yeah, this chicken's good. I'm glad I ordered it. That's Joe Biden. He is no, he's not in charge. Okay, NORAD shot down four devices in the last week. NORAD has never shot anything down over America in 65 years. This is the most significant military action in American skies in 65 years. And the president of the United States hasn't come out to speak about it once since this happened. That can't be good. It's just, you know, speaks to him not being in charge. So the point is the Democratic race is going to start either with Biden announcing that he's running because the people behind the scenes love running the country or with people ultimately talking Jill Biden out of another four years of elder abuse. Because this is elder abuse, what they're doing to this guy. Guess a mess. If you're watching him walk around, if you've had relatives in your family with cognitive issues, then you've seen moments on Joe Biden where he just randomly starts shouting angrily, even though it doesn't meet the minute you happen to be living in. Or sometimes he whispers like, pay them more. You're like, wait, why is he doing that? It's because he's been reduced to mannerisms. A lot of times Joe Biden gets reduced to mannerisms that he's known his whole life, so his brain reflexively deploys them, whether they're appropriate for the conversation that's being had or whether or not. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. But as it pertains to the Republicans, the race is on. Okay, once you get somebody in there running opposite of Trump, which is what we now have, you got a race. And even Trump is talking about it. Yesterday was Valentine's Day, and Trump t- uh, socialed. He truth socialed. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Woo! Here's Trump. Uh, statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. And this is where you would, and this is the fun Trump. This is good Trump right here. Today, many Americans, as well as people throughout the rest of the world, celebrate Valentine's Day. Your favorite president wanted to take the opportunity to wish all great patriots a tremendous day today as well as my opponents for the Republican nomination. Happy Valentine's Day to Nikki, who would be nothing without me, as well as Larry Hogan, who I do not know well, but quite frankly, he seems to have very low T, as in testosterone. And also, Meatball Ron. Lastly, I hope the weird, woke losers have a good day today. (laughs) To, To truly be loved, you must first love yourself, and these losers just can't do it. Good luck, is what he says. So he says, Larry Hogan has low testosterone, calls Ron DeSantis a meatball. (laughs) The weird woke losers. That kind of language, which is supposed to be so off-putting in our politics, is actually refreshing to a lot of voters who don't need the carefully curated sound bites that were scripted from a strategist to make these vile human beings sound more palatable. You know, Trump was once derisively referred to as a short-fingered vulgarian when he was running in 2016, and that was a slander, you know, to the elites. They're like, aha, he's a short-fingered vulgarian. But to voters, they're like, woo, wait, what? This guy uses foul language? (laughs) They loved it. All of the things the media tries to demonize Trump with really speak to just how out of touch they are with rank-and-file voters. Think about it. When Trump ran in 2016, they're like, all the guy keeps talking about is bringing jobs back from China and securing the border. How dare he? But the voters were like, (laughs) loved it. Do you remember when (laughs) it's my favorite one? 
They tried to run him out of town. They're like, you know, he did sleep with a porn star. <laughs> the, the voters. I love it when you talk dirty. They weren't mad at him for that. They, the, You know, all the things they do to try to alienate you from Trump actually draw people closer to him, in my experience. But the race is now on because he's got Nikki Haley in the race. And one of the things I wanted to point out about her candidacy is not what Trump's going to say about her or vice versa. It's the fact that we were told when Hillary Clinton lost to Trump in 2016, we were told it was because women aren't supporting other women. And it's because of the patriarchy and it's because of misogyny that a woman can't run for president and not get attacked by other women. That's what they told you on The View. Now, I want you to tell me if this is a practice what you preach show. Here is The View reacting to Nikki Haley running for president. Clip 19. So, Nikki, you know, since you have been asleep all this time and you just woke up, you're just finding out that there are things about our country that are not perfect. And for us to pretend that it is and that nothing happened is ridiculous. So you're not saying anything new. And you of all people should know better because you used to actually have some sanity and knew right from wrong. And then you lost your mind and and went in some new direction. So don't do that. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Such a fair question to ask Whoopi Goldberg. But does that sound like women supporting other women? The answer would be no. The biggest fraud in the world is identity politics. Because when Democrats say, like, oh, we got to support black people, what do they mean? They mean black Democrats. Tell them like it is. Oh, we got to support trans people. What do they mean? They mean trans Democrats. Tell them like it is. Support all women. Yeah, if they're Democrats. That's how this works. Do you understand? Okay, we were told Hillary didn't win the presidency because we're a misogynist nation, because the patriarchy was so powerful that a woman couldn't break the glass ceiling. Well, here's Nikki Haley, a former governor of South Carolina at a time when the state was thriving, a former U.N. ambassador. I'm not saying she'd be the next president. I have no idea. I don't know how this is going to shake out. A lot of conservatives actually hate her. Because of her previous claims that she wouldn't run against Trump and now she's running against Trump. Understand, a lot's changed since she said she wouldn't run against Trump. Trump was uh, in an iron grip on running again in the immediate aftermath of the 2020 election. A lot of hurt feelings. A lot of people couldn't believe he lost. A lot of people still don't believe he lost because why? They watch Joe Biden speak every day. And when you watch Joe Biden speak every day, you don't come away with the feeling that the guy's running in tip-top shape. Correct the mundo. Okay, so understand. In that immediate aftermath of the 2020 election, Nikki Haley saying she wouldn't run against Trump, a strategic move, okay, because here she is running against him. The tides have changed within the Republican Party. The most recent polling has Ron DeSantis beating Trump in a head-to-head matchup. That doesn't mean he will. None of this stuff matters till they get in the ring and square off against each other. Everything we do between now and then is purely speculative. And you can weigh in on anything you want, 888-788-9910. But here's more Joy Behar. Let me know if it sounds like she's supporting women. Clip 20. Well, she's part of the invasion of the body snatchers. You know, there are these there are these politicians on the right who now have become, like, mentally crazy, you know. But her problem is that, you know, not only was she a big uh, Trump supporter, and elect, uh, she's an election denier, too, isn't she? At one she, point. At one, at one point, point, she was. She changed, she flip-flopped on that. Yeah. But she also backed Herschel Walker, one of the worst candidates we've ever had. I mean, second only may, or second only to George Santos, maybe. Yeah. You know, and... That was uh, terrifying, yeah. actually, that she yeah. did that. 
I'm surrounded by idiots. Joy Behar. When Joy Behar lectures you about election deniers, understand that Joy Behar has spent four years claiming that the 2016 election was stolen. Do you understand? They lecture you about election deniers. They themselves perpetuated the biggest conspiracy theory in the history of this country, which is that Russia had seized control of our government through the blackmail leverage it had over our president. That's what we were told with a straight face. This was an Austin Powers movie, Dr. Evil, was now in control of the United States government. That's what they told us day in and day out. It was hilarious to anybody who knew better. But then they'll turn around again, like I said, and expose that same hypocrisy. Oh, they're concerned about election deniers, you know, unless they're denying an election. They're concerned about people not supporting women, you know, unless they're not supporting women. That's the whole scam of the left. Reese is in Sheridan, Wyoming. He's got to take on the 2024 election. Yo, Reese! Mega Dittos, my friend. How um, are you, my friend? Bloody. Always good, to, always good to have some Sheridan, Wyoming energy on the show. So I'm good. I, to answer your question, I'm good. What's the forecast for 2024 in Reeseville, USA? Well, I think Trump's going to run, but he's got to get somebody uh, like Nikki Haley uh-huh. behind him. Yeah. And she will help bring up the vote. You know, Trump doesn't really need anything. Trump has got everything that he could ever want. Mm-hmm. He just wants to, you know, do the best for our country, I suppose. Well, and, did, uh, yeah. He, well, he wants to avenge 2020 for one because, you know, it's sure. hard It's hard to fathom anybody voted for Joe Biden, let alone more people than anyone in history. But I think he's going to have a challenging road. I'm not saying he can't win it. I mean, and I think anybody's going to be Biden this time around. So whoever does win the Republican nomination is going to be your next president. But I think it's going to get really crowded. Like my guess is, and I'm going to ask Tom Bevan this, Tim Scott's going to get in. DeSantis is going to get in. Pompeo's going to get in. I don't know if Pence is going to get in. But the Larry Hogan's of the world have no shot, but they'll probably get in to to boost their national profile. Is there anybody else out there? Uh, that you could get behind behind Trump or, or besides Trump, or are you all in on the Trump man? Uh, we have a really great governor over there in our neighboring state of South Dakota. You like Christy Nome? Uh, Nome, Christy Nome. Yeah, love she, her. She is she is a freaking rock star, brother. Whoa! She she was like so during COVID. She was like, here's how we to uh, social distancing and she's out there shooting pheasants. It was so cool. <laughs> she had a little commercial about that. That was so cool. Yeah, that was um, And we saw that. Like, But, you know, we just need, you know, Trump, Trump doesn't give a crap. He's got more money than he ever would ever need, need in his life. Mm-hmm. But we need, he's got to get somebody that knows how to play the game. So you know how to play the game. So you're saying the you vice president. The, you're saying the vice yeah. president is the key to his reelection bid. Okay. Absolutely. Fair. Hundred percent. You know, I'm going to run all of all of your analysis by Tom Bevan. He's the big. You know, he's the most famous political analyst analyst in the world. So he's going to get put through we the Reese ring. We want Christy Nome. All right. Well, Christy Nome is an awesome, awesome young lady. And, uh-huh. She'll, uh, she'll do our country well. Well, I will tell him. The people of Sheridan, Wyoming, have spoken. Good call, Reese. You know, 
who the VP is is going to be significant, whether it's Trump or anybody else out there picking them. Uh, I just love that we're getting back to live ammo because personally, like, you know, I don't care if, you know, some of you are going to agree with my analysis. Some of you hate it. Some There are a lot of people listen that don't want to hear a word about anybody but Trump. OK, one of them in the Republican Party spoke up. I'm going to play you their clip when we come back. But either way, you slice it. I'm thrilled that we're now facing live ammo because the sooner we start this food fight over who the Republican nominee is, the sooner we can get Joe Biden out of office. And to be honest with you, that's the most important thing going on in this country as we speak. That's true. That is true. The critics have spoken. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking to Real Clear Politics founder Tom Bevin in the next break. Fired up for that conversation, but his opening act is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. William's listening in. Yo, William. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for taking my call. My man, of course. Do you know that my son Lincoln Fallon is probably the biggest Pittsburgh Steelers fan in, in probably the world? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I listen to it all the time. Oh, okay. You know I, mean? I didn't know. I like, I, it's it's getting serious though. Like, I found a case of icy lights in my fridge the other day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we have somebody there that's not very popular with the better man. But we got to do what, what we got. Yes, you do. Um, what do you think on these balloons, man? So my question was, how come Biden is not addressing the nation, and it's coming with? Uh, Jean, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre addressing us with no answers. Wouldn't you think Biden mm-hmm. in the national security would be addressing a nation? It's really weird that he's yeah. not in charge. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm at, yeah, it's it's real. So, go ahead. Yeah. So, like, what I under what I understand is he's basically pawning it off as a scapegoat for Corinne to take the heat. I, I would imagine that's what's. It's looking like. Well, you know what they keep doing to her? And Dana Perino said this on the show. They send her out there with no information a lot. And then she looks bad because she's talking out of her butt and she's overmatched and doesn't know what to say. But they'd rather the people get mad at her than him. So in a weird way, she's like, uh, you know, a sacrifice. Like they're sacrificing whatever integrity and influence she has to kind of create a buffer. And and you can actually tell she doesn't know what she's saying because – Every third word is ah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh. So that's the signs of a lie or not Lo- knowing what to say. Yeah, a lot of binders, a lot of checking sure. notes. Isn't it weird to have people in power that look like we did when we came home drunk and ran into our parents and didn't expect Man, to? I, I, I don't even have any answers for that. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Go to the binder. Hey, brother, but I I just want to let you know, I do travel the country. I'm a truck driver, ex-military, and I try to catch you every possible time. That's rad. Wherever. I traveled from Pittsburgh to catch you last show in uh, Spokane, but I miss you by an hour. Oh, come on, William. Don't tell me that. Well, I'm going to be back in your hood. It's coming. I'll be back. I'm going to be on tour in Pennsylvania, by the way, uh, later this spring. We're going to announce it on the show. So get your game face on. You'll have tickets on me, man. The great William, there he goes. Tom Bevan, going to have to follow that act. Wish him luck when we come back on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America.
It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, fired up to talk to this next guest. He is the co-founder and the president of RealClearPolitics.com. All hail the chief Tom Bevin in the house. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's my understanding that your early favorite for 2024 is Geno Smith. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Seahawks Seahawks QB. I mean, might as well throw his his hat into the ring. It sounds like it's going to be pretty crowded. So my question for you is, uh, with Nikki Haley announcing today, does this officially begin the vice presidential sweepstakes? (laughs) Well, that certainly is one of the options for someone like Haley, who's considered a long shot, I think, is a a kind way of putting it, (laughs) um, to actually win the nomination. But listen, everybody who, who... gets in this race has a rationale for doing it, whether it's because they want to write a book or get a TV gig or, you know, make more money giving speeches or become vice president or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they all have their, their reasons for doing it. I mean, it seems to me that, that, you know, she's done some of those other things. And so, um, I think vice president is probably one of those, you know, if she was yeah. being completely honest about it, that that would be a, a good outcome for her. Yeah, be a win. Well, you know what? I think strategically it was smart to get in now because no one else is in the race. So there's more media attention to be garnered right now. You know, if this field goes eight wide like we're watching a Talladega NASCAR race, then, uh, you know, the coverage is going to be harder to come by. But the question I wanted to ask you is a guy running RealClearPolitics.com is do you have a timetable in your head for when this race does, in fact, get more crowded with people like maybe a Tim Scott or a DeSantis or even a Larry Hogan? Not really. I mean, these things are going to, you know, organically take shape. And I mean, you're right. Look, everybody's making their own calculations. And for a person like Nikki Haley, Maybe that's, uh, you know, this was the wisest move for her to get the attention now. But there's also, I mean, all these candidates are weighing, you know, you, you some of them are laboring under the, the assumption that, you know, they want to be the new fresh thing at the right moment in time. They don't want to be out there too much, yeah. get their, get their, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it's going to be too early. And then they become yesterday's news as some of these other candidates are getting in. So, um you know, some of it will have to do. I mean, DeSantis has still got his his state legislature legislative session going, so that's that's a main concern of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, as to some of these other folks, like a, you know, Mike Pompeo seems like he's definitely running. Yep. Um, you know, what are what are his calculations as to when he thinks is the best time for for to get in and get the maximum. You know, maximum attention with, uh, but but still have some some staying power. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking it's next month. It could be. It could be a few months from now. So it just depends for each individual candidate what they're trying to accomplish. So much strategy. It's fascinating stuff. We're talking to Tom Bevan. He's the co-founder and the president of RealClearPolitics.com. Um, what I feel like is personally, I I feel like everybody. It goes beyond Trump, you know, Trump being the last nominee and obviously has a lot of influence within the party. You know, there's conversations about whether or not it's waning. But I think the bigger driving force here is not, you know, the direction Trump is trending in, but the fact that everybody in America thinks they can beat Biden if, in fact, he runs again. I mean, when you're looking at polling that 22 percent of the American people want the guy to run again. I mean, that's the kind of team you want to schedule for homecoming. But are people are are we kind of like I mean, my question is, 
Is it, are we underestimating him, though, as an incumbent president, seeing as he did exceed expectations in the midterms? I mean, yeah, and, and it's impossible to say mm-hmm. how this race is going to look, uh, you know, a year from now yeah. when we actually are into the thick of the primaries. And, and look, I'm not even convinced Biden's going to run. I mean, Me he said he was going to wait till after the State of the Union. It's a week after the State of the Union, and yep. he still hasn't announced. So what's he waiting for? That's a good point. Um, there are obviously a lot of uh, – there's a lot of chatter out there. We ran a We ran a piece this morning from Mark Penn and Andrew Stein in the New York Post saying, look, you know – even Democrats don't want Biden to run. So um, I, maybe he's not going to get in. Um, and then we'll have a free for all on the Democratic side uh, as well. But listen, the last couple polls that have come out, mm-hmm. um, there was a poll that just came out. Rasmussen today, uh, general election matchup, you know, Biden versus Trump, Biden's plus three. Four months ago, the last time they took this poll, and again, it's, a, it's about yeah. a thousand likely voters, uh, Trump was up four. So there's been, you know, so I mean, these, these these polls at this point in, in in time don't really tell you much of anything. Yeah. About uh, what that what that race is going to look like, and I do think Democrats, uh, sorry, Republicans, you know, <clears throat> I, there's an element to this too. It's like you could just put a generic Republican on the ballot, a generic Democrat, and the country is so divided that you would still have a close race in Arizona, a close race in Wisconsin, yeah. a close race in Georgia, That's cool. because in in. In some respects, this is about uh, you know a, a tribal war between two very very evenly divided sides, particularly in in a few of those swing states. Well, you know what? That's what I wanted to ask you, man, because we, you and I, are, are always talking in sports metaphors, and I take most of the blame for that. But in a weird way, this is the closest politics have become to like the Yankee Red Sox rivalry, in that we're just rooting for teams now more than we are people. I think in a lot of instances. Have you ever seen this version of our politics before where it was this bitterly partisan? Not this way. I mean, look, it, there's certain – there's been this aspect to our culture that has been taking shape over time <clears throat> – excuse me, taking shape over time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was an evenly divided country in 2000 when George W. Bush was – uh, you know, won that election by, uh, you know, just a – well, some would say the Supreme Court decided it for him, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had a lot of close elections since then, uh, but it definitely has taken on a different, um, nastier, I would say, because the, the there's an element to our politics. It used to be, and there's Pew's done some research to back this up, right? It used to be that that Democrats and Republicans they disagreed with each other politically, um, but they didn't hate each other. And yeah. now, when when you ask CBS News did a poll last year and, and asked 58% of Republicans or Democrats and 55% of Republicans think that the other side is an existential threat to their life, to their way of life. I mean, so it's it's become more sort of apocalyptic in, in the sense of the, the tribal warfare that's going on. And that's, you know, that has to do with, obviously, uh, the polarization that has taken place under Obama and and uh, and Trump. It's social media, it's cable news, it's all of that stuff that has combined to to make sort of a perfect storm of partisanship. It's really weird, but I feel like politics has become pro wrestling in a suit. You know, remember yeah. how like guys would go interview with Mean Gene Okerlund and they'd tell Mean Gene how they were going to beat up the Macho Man at SummerSlam or vice versa. I feel like yeah. that's a lot of what cable news <laughs> has become. If well, the if the late great Mean Gene Okerlund were alive, he'd be a great eight p.m. talk show host. 
<laughs> yeah, and I mean the other aspect too is that is that politics used to be politics, and yeah. there were things outside that were apolitical. Now nothing's apolitical. Our sports are political. Um, you know, entertainment's political. Everything. There's nowhere you can go to escape the the sort of partisan uh, politics has become our national religion, and that's unfortunate because it it really does become then uh, part of your identity and who you are. And and again, that's you. People well, attach a lot of importance to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and that's why we've seen it getting so vicious. Yeah, well, you know what I think? It, it's funny, but it's why George Santos is a congressman. Like 99% of the people who voted for him didn't know anything about him. They were in a district that votes Republican. They saw the R next to his name, and they just pulled the lever. Um, I don't think people do the due diligence at the congressional level that they do in the bigger, you know, the bigger races. And I'm only saying that because I've met a lot of Congress people and been a little bit underwhelmed. I'm like, wow, I don't know. Uh, But I think that's, you know, symptomatic, though, of this being the team sport that it is. People are going to vote their party more than they're going to vote the individual, which I think is nuts. But I wanted to ask you this, okay, because it's something you mentioned earlier about Biden saying he was going to run after the State of the Union. We're, you know, a week beyond the State of the Union. Ron Klain did leave the White House. People assumed ostensibly to run his campaign. Do you think any of this delay has to do with those rumors that we read in the New York Times and the New York Post that they might want to be making a switch at the bottom of the ticket with Kamala? You know, I don't know. I really do think that that would be tough. Mm -hmm. Um, And look, for as much as Republicans have kind of a, you know, they've got their own battles to fight with between, you know, the Trump wing of the party and the other wing of the party. Democrats have a real problem on their side, um, particularly if Biden doesn't run, as to what to do with Kamala Harris. Because, I mean, it would be really hard for Joe Biden to take her and boot her off the ticket and replace her with someone else. She's the first African-American woman vice president, and to just kind of sideline her would would hurt a lot of feelings within the Democratic Party. Same thing, by the way, if Biden doesn't run and she runs and someone like Gavin Newsom comes in and says, you know – because she's not going to scare off many people. No, she's not going to scare off anybody. Nobody. Right? And so, if if you know, uh, uh, you know, white male, uh, <laughs> yeah. cis male from uh, California displaces her as the nominee, that is going to uh, that's going to create a rift in that party that is, you know, could could potentially be a problem come election time. So Democrats have have a a Kamala problem uh, as well. But I, I just don't see Biden kicking her off the ticket. I just don't know how he could do that. Well, if they muscle Biden off the ticket, I, I, I'm still harboring suspicions that even the people's pantsuit Hillary Clinton wants to give another go of this. <laughs> you, yes, well, I'm still harboring the, the idea that Michelle Obama is, is going to swoop in, whoa. although she's given no indication that that she would do that. She doesn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> well, but, whenever I uh, hear that, let me just ask you a question about this, because whenever I hear that, I've well, occasionally someone will say it uh, that recognizes how popular she is within the party and the fact that she probably would be like so formidable in terms of the nomination. It's her if she wants it. But do you think she wants anything to do? Because they have a pretty cushy, comfy lifestyle. They're on like yachts with Bono. You know, they're like, do you think she wants yeah. to go do retail politics? No, I don't. And and she's made it pretty clear that she doesn't want to do that. So I think that's a – you know, you never say never in, in a situation like that, especially if you know her mind could change. Who knows? I mean some – she may be bored with the cushy life and want to get back in, in the fray and think that she has something to offer. 
Um, she certainly would be a unifying force within the Democratic Party. Uh, and obviously it, it would take care of the Kamala problem because, you know, she'd yeah. step right in and, Boom. and I think Kamala, even Kamala would have to say, okay, you know, yeah. um, I'm stepping aside for, for Michelle Obama. But again, she's given no indication. I think she's kind of doesn't, doesn't want to deal with any of that stuff. Uh, at least, yeah. at least that's everything we've heard and, and seen for the past couple of years. And we want to, and I, I will tell you this, Bevan, cause this is the real type of insight you get from talking to me. Cause I'm in touch with the streets. Okay. I'm serious yeah. when I say this, the thing that would cost Michelle Obama, the general election is all of those school kids that she took French fries away from are now old enough to vote. <laughs> We're in the chubbiest country in the world, Bevan. You take the French yeah. fries. Is there a bigger liability than than big French fry? <laughs> yeah, she could. Uh, she could run against big French fry. I don't know. I don't know. It's not. I'm gonna... sure. I'm sure. Plenty of those kids. They, they may have issues that they're working through on the, <laughs> on, the on the food side, but. That's a good point, Jimmy. Th- thanks for that, pal. Thanks for dignifying my, the- <laughs> my theory. <laughs> and the only other thing I would throw at you then is my my actual guess is if Biden was stepping aside, I've always felt in watching him that he wants to hand this thing to Pete Booty Judge. Did you ever get that kind of horse sense based on the past few years? Um, I mean, there certainly has been that, and there's been reporting to that effect that he's, you know— he gave Kamala the two toughest jobs, you know, go yeah. fix the border and whatever else she got. And he gave Buttigieg, you know, here's here's a trillion dollars in infrastructure to go sprinkle around all of these uh, municipalities. And you can be the, you know, yeah. the uh, knight in, in shining armor who comes in and dispenses the goodies. So there has been uh, that that kind of aspect to it. But, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't really <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I mean – yeah. Buttigieg hasn't really distinguished himself no. in a way. I mean, I think if he ran, if, if Biden stepped aside, I think Buttigieg would be, uh, you know, he would certainly be in the mix for the nomination. But I, I find it hard to believe that Biden would go out, out of his way to endorse Buttigieg over his own vice president. Yeah. I think he'd have to remain on the sideline. And maybe he could do some stuff behind the scenes to help him. But yeah. if, that's, if that's really where his heart is. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think none of us know anything at this point. There's a lot of th- cards that, you know, that are about to be played. And even like we had Tim Scott on yesterday. Yo, he's got I, I know he's raising good money because the sound bites he gave me were so precisely uh, combed over. I asked him about I said, yo, because Tim Scott's really funny on this show. He likes to come on and debate Rocky movies. And he has a theory that Rocky three is the best Rocky. Which, by the way, I mean, that that alone could cost you a nomination. Do you think America's ready for a, <laughs> that is a hot take right yeah, there? A rock. Do you think America's ready for a Rocky three president? <laughs> My goodness. But uh, he had said to me yesterday, I said, you know, when I got out of bed and I heard a South Carolina politician had announced a candidacy for the White House, I assumed it was my next guest. And he said, it's not the position. It's the mission. Meaning he's more focused on the American people. To me, that sounds like really good PR work behind the scenes. <laughs> so should I, I took that as a sign he's running. Would you say he's running? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's he's definitely making moves like he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing you watch for is what you saw with Mike Pompeo. Like when any, whenever anyone loses like 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I see like J.B. Pritzker drop 50 pounds, I, I know he's running for president. <laughs> okay, that's like the first sign. So, when they get in shape for TV, 
So that's, right. that's how all of our listeners can be assured that I'm not running for office anytime soon. I clearly <laughs> have not made the pivot. Oh, Bevan, you're the best, man. Thanks for some time, buddy. We'll do it again soon. All right, man. Be Good well. Talk to you. The great yep. Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RealClearPolitics.com. I mean, he knows all of it. You're getting a real measured take from the guy. No sensationalism, no emotion, no punditry. He's just a good, funny, brilliant guy. And that's, you know, that's all we strive for on this show. That's all we can offer you. Uh, back after this. The show that's standing up to big tech. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerds! You're listening to Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth on this here program. Got one more show left in New York. Then we head up to Utica to the legendary studios of WIBX, where I will be doing my show live this Friday and appearing, of course, at the Fat Cats Comedy Club Friday and Saturday. All five shows are sold out, but you can come hang out. It's, uh, it's very much like a revival. Um, when I go on the road and hang out with the Fox Across America crowd. Everybody is wonderful. They're funny. They usually make fun of my outfits. And they feel comfortable doing so because I am not the star of this show. We are. It is a community. We have built it. It is thriving. You're all a part of something really cool and unique in media. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Anywhere else in the world, somebody comes in that you watch on TV every day, and they're like, oh, my God. I walk in, they're like, Jimmy Fallon, you got change of a 20. Just a regular dude. That's the hook. That's the superpower is the fact that I don't have one. Um, I will be taking this lack of talent to the airwaves tonight. I am on with Dagan and Duffy on the bottom line on the Fox Business Network tonight at 6 p.m. Tomorrow you'll see me on Hannity with Sean Hannity. Then I'm actually going to be off your televisions for 72 hours. My goodness gracious, who is this slacker? But man, oh boy, oh man, the week rolls on. A banner day today. The Nikki Haley story. I got to be honest. I think it's going to make this race really, really interesting. Wrong. All right. The point is there's going to be some fireworks one way or the other, and we're going to cover them at great length tomorrow. Until then, pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.